and making it a reality within Combody. And one thing that I want to uh, want to talk about is something that you j- recently said, which is around hiring other formerly incarcerated people to be your trainers to work at Combody. Can you speak to the impact that that is having on reducing recidivism? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been able to hire over 50 people coming out of the system. And I, I think what I'm proudest of is that we have a zero recidivism rate. So yeah, no, no one has gone back into the system since we've, you know, got them on board. And, and I think that's, you know, mainly the fact that we just, we're, we're here to help, you know, and, and, and there's been times that, you know, ladies, guys that work with me that want to go back to the streets because, it, you know, they can be frustrated and, and they have a clear line of communication. They could be real with me and be like, hey, I'm going through this or I, you know, I, I, I need some money to do this and I don't want to, you know, put myself in, in jeopardy. You know, can you help me? Welcome to Worthy for 30, a podcast hosted by Eric Tash. Eric is a brand marketer who spent time in both the startup and corporate worlds. Throughout his career, he's come across remarkable leaders who've set clear examples for how to do good and give back. Eric sits down with some of the most sought-after entrepreneurs and C-suite executives to discuss how they're able to unlock deeper meaning in their work by infusing their core fundamental values. Worthy for 30, where doing good and doing well meet. Good morning. This is your host, Eric Tash with uh, Worthy for 30. I'm very excited to bring on my next guest, Kosmar, uh, the founder and CEO of Conbody, to the uh, to the podcast. Kos, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me, Eric. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So a little bit of background for, for the listeners. So a couple of years ago, I was at a dinner and I was talking to my friend Rachel and Lily, and they kept on talking about Conbody, Conbody, mm-hmm. Conbody. It's a great workout. This guy Koss leads this this uh, prison style workout class. You need to try it, Eric. So I said, you know what? I did Barry's boot camp for a year before I got married. Probably is a you know in the same realm of of in- intensiveness. Why don't I give it a shot? So I go. I'm like, I see everybody taking off their shoes. I'm okay. I'm like, okay, what's happening here? There are no weights. And then Koss is just like gets into it, into the, into the, into the workout, all body weight exercises. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, what did I get myself into? But it was the, one of the best workouts I've taken. It definitely felt like, oh my gosh, you know, 45, 50 minutes well spent. But, but as I started this podcast, Koss, you know, I really want to showcase business leaders, entrepreneurs, executives who are doing good while doing well. And you have a very interesting story of how you started Combody. So I'd love for you to tell the listeners how you founded Combody and what you're up to today. Yeah, so Combody was derived from my personal experience while I was incarcerated. I went into prison for running a multi-million dollar drug business back in the day. And it all ended when I was sentenced to seven years in prison for being a kingpin at 23 years old. And at that time, while I was incarcerated, I... I I, I was told that I was probably going to do life because the, the three strikes law was was in place and it, it actually changed while I was going back and forth to court. So I got locked up at the perfect moment and I was sentenced to seven years. But when I went in there, doctors told me that my cholesterol levels were through the roof. And, and if I didn't start eating or exercising correctly, that I could probably die of a heart attack. And, and obviously in prison, you don't get the best food. So I I worked out obsessively and I, I created this whole regimen that helped me lose over 70 pounds in six months. Yeah, I was just 
determined to get in shape and and use the time you know i was i didn't have anything to do but work out and read books and so i i took advantage of that and then i started catching eyes of other inmates and other inmates started approaching me and and working out with them and i helped over 20 inmates it was over a thousand pounds collectively and I didn't think I had a business behind it. it was, at, at the time, it was just something that we just did as a camaraderie builder, and we just kept doing it. And so it was not towards the, the end of my incarceration where, where I got into some trouble with an officer and I ended up in solitary confinement. And, and that was a place where I was in 24-hour lockdown. Horrible, horrible place. I don't think anybody should be in solitary. And, and, and I just... But I was just thinking, you know, what what can I do when I come home? And so I mm-hmm. I basically wrote out a business plan, and it was not literally like a business plan, but it was. <laughs> I was I, I didn't have a mission statement, I didn't have anything like that. It was just basically like I wrote out everything I wanted to do when I came home. I, I literally was like, I'm gonna wake up at six, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, and so I just kept like planning and writing, and and at the same time I. I I wrote out a whole 90 day workout plan and came and like really put pen to paper and, and came up with our, our whole workout routine then. Uh, and, and then I, I did what I wrote when I was released. I, I had no money. Everything was taken away from me. And I started in the park, just going up to a lot of females wearing yoga pants <laughs> and, and just telling them I got classes twice a day out in the park. And I just kept doing that consistently. And, and it grew. And, and as it was growing, I, I, I couldn't do it all myself. So I started thinking about, like, who can I get to help me? And the people that I thought about were my friends, people that I were, was incarcerated with and people that I came home and started meeting while I was in parole and things of that nature. And and I started hiring people coming out of the system. And that became our mission is you know to hire as many people coming out of the prison system to teach fitness classes for us. Wow. So, so when you're, when you're, so you're, you're incarcerated, you had to you know, work out again, cause the doctors told you upon being locked up, you know, your cholesterol levels are, are super high and you, you figured out, okay, I need to, I need to work out. I, you know, I, I need to, to get into shape. So within six months, you lost 70 pounds and you also, that also spread to other inmates. And then when you got out, you you were writing this business plan or that sorry it evolved into a business plan of what what is today or what eventually became combody can you tell us about the opportunities upon release that were at your i don't know at your choice upon being released from from being incarcerated yeah i i mean i i took advantage of anything you know that was out there there was not a lot of opportunities you know i feel like today criminal justice is like a sexy topic you know and and unfortunately unfortunately because of the George Floyd movement like a lot of people started drawing and caring and listening you know but when I came home close to 10 years ago nobody cared nobody there was no real programs but there were a few out there in New York City that you know were doing something you know and and so I took advantage of this program called Fortune Society. Fortune Society serves about 8,000 people a year coming out of the system, you know, trying to help them find a job, trying to guilt, gain skills and training. And so I, I joined that program and, and just fully took advantage of it. They, they sent me out to like a whole bunch of job interviews but and, and trying to a job hunt, but nobody really wanted to hire. And so it was extremely difficult to readapt and try to 
you know, be a, a productive member to society because nobody wanted to really give me a chance. And, and, and through that, I, I, I landed an internship, but I also started joining another program called Defy Ventures. Defy Ventures believes that illegal entrepreneurs can become legal entrepreneurs. So they, they properly like help you build out your business plan and teach you everything you need to know to start a business. And so I fully like dove in deep with Combody and and jumped in it and started doing it with them. And it, and it blew up after that. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So New York City has specific programs to provide a, a lifeline for, for folks who are coming out of the, the prison system on figuring out ways to, to acquire skills, you know, in, in specific vocations. In your case, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're taking a passion that you developed while incarcerated uh, and making it a reality within Combody. And one thing that I want to uh, want to talk about is something that you j- recently said, which is around hiring other formerly incarcerated people to be your trainers to work at Combody. Can you speak to the impact that that is having on reducing recidivism? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been able to hire over fifty people coming out of the system, and I, I think what I'm proudest of is that we have a zero recidivism rate. So, yeah, no no one has gone back into the system since we've you know, got them on board. And, and I think that's, you know, mainly the fact that we just, we're, we're here to help, you know, and, and, and there's been times that, you know, ladies, guys that work with me that want to go back to the streets because, it, you know, they can be frustrated and, and they have a clear line of communication. They could be real with me and be like, Hey, I'm going through this or, I, you know, I, I, I need some money to do this and I don't want to you know, put myself in, in jeopardy, you know, can you help me? And, or, you know, I need some mental health support, you know? And so I, mm-hmm. anything they needed, you know, we, we just build a community that, that really supports each other. And, and that really, you know, became, you know, a safe haven where they could just be real. You know, it's not, it's not a fake community, you know, it's like, yo, this is what I'm going through. Can you help? Or, and then we celebrate the, the wins too. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that one of my trainers, former trainers, now he's doing his own thing, but, you know, Sultan Malik became one of the top five trainers by Reebok, you know, and so in the, in the whole country. So like, that's, you know, it's been, it's been a while, right? Wow. That, that, that is tremendous. So it's, it's, so it's, you're providing the opportunity to work at Combody. In addition, you know, it's not just cost the boss, it's cost come to me as an advisor, as a mentor, as a therapist, as a coach to help you through the, some of these, you know, the, these tough times, perhaps, you know, a, after you've, you've left the system, um, you're, you're stepping in again, more, uh, you know, that, that transcends quote unquote boss or leader where they have that level of where these, these uh, people who work for you or work with you have that level of comfort. And, 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 it, and, 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 and again, it's not only me, like they, they help each other, you know, like they communicate with each other, and, you know, share information or resources. So, you know, likewise, and I, I get support from them as well. Oh, excellent. Excellent. And, and in terms of, you know, providing them the opportunity to work at Combody, are there other sort of, you said resources, like what sort of resources are you providing that's above and beyond, again, just working at, at, at Combody? Yeah. Mental health support, housing. So I, I sit on the board of this organization called Thrive for Life. They have three buildings in the Bronx. And so we have uh, very, very low rentable apartments for people that want to you know, have a 
decent spot to live in. And then after that, we helped them transition to finding them their, their own apartment. So like I've had people that were homeless living in the gym. You know, I, at one time I had four air mattresses and, and deflating them at 530 in the morning because we got to start class at six, you know? <laughs> and, and so like, it was a real crazy situation. And, you know, some of them were living in shelters and, and their, their clothes will be robbed. And so they'll come in with like, just the shirt that they got in their back, their combat shirt that we gave them, you know, so like finding, you know, any type of necessity uh, resource, you know, clothes, food, shelter, you know, shit that you need to survive, you know, and so that's what we've been able to do. No, that's, that's excellent. And in, in terms of, you know, the people who are listening, you, you talked about George Floyd and people now wanting to care or lean more into criminal justice, criminal justice reform. How do we help the, the folks who are coming out of the prison system reacclimate into society? How do we provide them with the skills that they need to, to adapt to this now new reality? What is your call to action to the folks who are who are wondering, you know, Kass, this is this is tremendous what you're doing, what Combody is doing. How can I help? Yeah, I mean, there's so much work that that can be done. I, I think mentoring is a is a good way to start, you know. And so we've had our clients who are therapists, you know, who who come in and they barter with us and they all you know, be our, the, the in-house therapist for, for our people or, you know, technical support. A lot of people that I'm hiring have done, you know, more than 20 years. So this is like, they went in with a beeper and came out with a flip touchscreen phone, you know, so <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, you know, and it gets overwhelming. It, it's it's hard because you you feel like you just, the whole world left you behind. It's like Flintstones meeting the Jetsons and, and you just got to, and it, it, you got to adapt and you got to learn. So just small things like that, that we don't even think about, you know, that, that can really go a long way to, to assist, you know, people coming out of the system. That's, that's great. And, and as, as part of, you know, sharing this episode, it'll definitely include, you know, some links, you know, to learn more about Combody, but also ways to, to, again, to help, you know, to figure out, you know, how can I help these folks, you know, again, readapt, you know, moving and now moving along, you know, to, to Combody. I also saw, you know, as I was preparing for our conversation, Second Chance Studios. Is, is that something that you founded? Yeah. So I, I co-founded that with, with Robbie Gu. And so what, what we, saw in the criminal justice space was just that people, I, you know, for me experiencing, you know, coming home and, and, and touching down, a lot of people didn't think I had the, the skills or the savviness to run a business or do anything, you know, and most of the opportunities that were out there were low level jobs. Um, if you mm-hmm. did land a job, you know, back of the kitchen work, construction work, you know, uh, you know, things that, you know, you feel like you're just below. And I'm not saying like, you know, those those people are below anything, but, you know, we we, ha- we got to do more than just that, you know, and, and actually have, you know, access to, to careers. So what we, we created with Second Chance Studios, where we see a, a, a thriving industry in the podcast media space, a new media space, you know, where, we wanted to train and teach individuals coming out to become savvy in that, uh, and and learn those skills and then be and then job place them after you know so like our first cohort you know most of them got hired by MTV you know to mm-hmm. work there 
you know, so it, this is something that we're, we're, we're changing the narrative, you know, like, you know, well, these people have so much talent if we teach them and they're so hungry and trustworthy, we just mm-hmm. need to give them the opportunity and the leg up, you know, and, and, and that's one thing that we want to really, you know, change and, and, and disrupt, you know, it's like we have other skills and just, you know, picking up the trash and putting it away, you know. Right. Exactly. And, 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 you know, that first cohort is, is a testament to that fact of, you know, you've provided those skills to these folks to, to learn, you know, emerging trends or emerging technology or new technology to them. And then it's one thing to learn it. It's another thing to apply it. And you're, it sounds like you've built relationships with, you know, the entertainment industry with MTV, you know, as a testament to that. Are you working with the, with the, the startup community in New York City as well? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of startups that are working with our fellows to do, you know, recording, audio engineering type of type of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and and, for, and the second chance studio side. Yeah. And the second chance studio side. Excellent. So it sounds like, you know, second chance studios, Conbody. We'll talk about Conbud in a second, but it sounds like cost. It sounds like Conbody as again, as, as I was thinking through the question is a lane in the second chance highway that you're building. Would that be an accurate visualization for the people who are listening? Yeah, and 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 sometimes even a first chance, you know, because a lot of people, you know, got trapped in the system or grew up in a neighborhood that never really had that first chance, you know. So mm-hmm. their, their their path was to just go from the streets to the the, the system, and mm-hmm. and it's hard to escape that that cycle when you when you're in it. Gotcha. So so speaking to that first chance you know, coming from the streets into the system, is there, is there a thought or an opportunity for you to intercept that from happening, to prevent that from happening early, earlier on? Yeah, I mean, I think going to neighborhoods that are over-policed, you know, and, and, and looking at, you know, the people that are inside, you know, in Rikers Island today, it's more than 95% the population inside is black and brown. You know, mm-hmm. and so we're looking at neighborhoods that are, are neighborhoods of color and, you know, they, they, they're getting over policed, they're getting locked up left and right. You know, so let's go to the kids, you know, let's let's talk to them. Let's let's show them that there's other opportunities out there than than just like, you know, looking at that person that's hustling with the big chain and, you know, with the girls and the cars, you know, like, mm-hmm. yes, you, you, if that's what you want, there's other ways to achieve that than just going to sell drugs, you know, or mm-hmm. going to rob somebody, you know? And so, so opening up those horizons. And I mean, that's, that was, I think my mentality as a kid was like that. I didn't, I saw people go to college, but I didn't see them come back. And so I didn't really see any pathway to success in an education, you know, and, and so the the people that I admired and I looked up to were the drug dealers who were making money, who were wearing the nice clothes, and and mm-hmm. and had what I what I thought was success at the time. Gotcha. And then you know, through the system, through your experience firsthand, you, you realize like actually, actually no. I can, to your point, I can still achieve the same ends, just a different different way. What you're doing, what you're executing right now. What, one thing you know that what, what you're saying also reminds me of you know something I also watched of yours, which is a TED talk where you were you were saying that you made millions of dollars selling drugs before you were before you were locked up and incarcerated, and people clapped. 
and you yeah. said don't clap. What what like what what was your thought? What was like that knee jerk thought when people started clapping when you, when uh, you mentioned that? So first, so first of all, I was in Hong Kong and and in China, they didn't care what business you did. They just thought that they wanted to celebrate you making money, you know. And so they they had. It was just funny that, you know, I, I mentioned that on stage. I was like, in America, people usually don't clap for this, you know, <laughs> but over there, they just celebrated. Oh, wow. You, you ran us. They looked at it as a, a successful business and, and, and that's all they, you know, there was no judgment, but that was my, my thought behind it is like in America, people are, would judge us left and right and mm-hmm. would, you know, be like, look at us as we should be ashamed for that, you know? And so... It's just a different culture, different perspective. D- different perspective, because I because ma- I think it's it's you know what you know it's, it's reconfiguring the notion of you can make you can you, know, you can apply that same skill mm-hmm. in more of a legal context, like you know again what you're doing with with Tombody and the and the bu- businesses that you're building to again to achieve that same ends. Like again, you have that business skill, but how do you apply it differently? Perhaps that's you know the, the thought, or at least the, the clapping that that occurred or ensued after you mentioned that on yeah. stage. Now, so, so switching gears, we talked about Second Chance Studios. We talked about Con Body. Con Bud has been in the news. I saw it on NBC mm-hmm. locally. Can you can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Combud is is derived, you know, due, due to the the advocacy work that I've been doing on the cannabis business for a while, and so I we we've seen in the industry that people, corporations are coming in and swooping up the business, and it hasn't been fair for those people that have been in in the industry before it was legalized, you know, and and it was not our fault that you know we got we got locked up for it. You know, for, for some points, you know, I feel like if I would have been growing up in, in Westchester and, and selling weed, you know, there, like nothing would probably happen to me because uh, there was no cops around to, to see me doing it. But, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in the Lower East Side and, and every block, there's a there's a cop patrol car, you know, and, the, and at the time I was being stopped almost every single day of my life, you know, as a, as a teenager you know, being searched, it was inevitable that they was going to catch me with something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's only right. I, I feel like that, you know, New York state right now is giving a, their first licenses to the, to people that have been convicted for cannabis. And also they're looking at people that have ran a net profitable business for at least two years. So I, I meet mm-hmm. the criteria and eligibility to, to go after the license. So I, you know, went full throttle and, I've been, you know, pushing that as much as I can and excited to, to see where it goes. You know, I, I have no idea if they're going to give me the license yet, you know, mm-hmm. so um, just hoping, just seeing and waiting. It's, seeing and waiting. So it, it sounds like the, you know, because recreational and medicinal marijuana is now legal in New York State, correct? Yes. Yes. So you could, you, you could smoke it, you could get it, use it, whatever way you want and, the only thing you can't do is sell it legally. Um, so, mm-hmm. so every they're growing it now. You know, all the all the hemp farmers got cultivation. Cultiv- a lot of hemp farmers got cultivation licenses. About two hundred and sixty ish of them upstate, and so they've been growing and and they're they're harvesting now. So they they're you know chopping down and ready to to dry and cure. And so that cannabis needs to land in stores soon. And, and, mm-hmm. and we're, we're keeping the same mission on, on 
as combody, you know, hiring people coming out of the system who've been affected on the war on drugs, you know, to, to work for us. That's, that's great. And, and hopefully, you know, it works out because as you mentioned, you know, those farmers need a place, a point of sale to sell it. Now, in terms of other projects, are you able to share, are there other projects that are, that are being worked on that you can share? I'm working on a podcast right now with, with my brother. It should be coming out soon. We've, we've done probably close to like 10 episodes. It's called The Hardest Step. And so my 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 younger brother is the city became the city council member of all downtown Manhattan, mm-hmm. Chris, Christopher Marte. And so we're we're talking about the journey about that we both had. You know, I, I've had my downfalls. He had his downfalls on the political side. He, he lost two races and and we just kept going and mm-hmm. and taking that hardest step to, you know, achieve what we want. You know, and so we've been co-hosting the podcast, talking about criminal justice reform and political stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm currently, you know, working on a documentary. Well, not currently, but it's been going on for eight years now with this incredible director, four-time Academy Award director. She, she's been following me around, you know, tracking my journey. You know, so we have a six-part docuseries that should be coming out probably next year. Early next year. Excellent. And and do you have a distributor or is that still being worked out in terms of like streaming versus in theaters? I, I, I imagine. Yeah, I she's she's working on it. I can't I can't disclose any information. Yet. <laughs> totally understand. Oh, th- this has been great. So my last question, Koss, because I definitely want to be mindful of your time. For the people who are listening, who are facing adversity or obstacles in their journey. What's your one piece of advice or wisdom that you'd share with them? I think trust, trust the process, you know, just keep doing, being righteous, keep doing the right thing. There's going to be times that, you know, I, that you feel like you're going to quit and you don't want to keep moving, but keep doing the right thing and right things will come back to you, you know? And, and, and so that's, that's what I've seen work, you know, and that's what I've seen other people, you know, do that, that work. And so that, that, that's the advice I, I give people. You know, just just keep doing the right thing and right things will come back. Okay, keep doing the right thing. Keep it sounds like being of service to people, giving goodness into this world. Excellent. And with and with that, you know, are there do you have you formalized or have you written down like your if, if you were to, to say these are my one to three core values as a human being? What would they be? I, I haven't written my personal core values. That, that might be something I should do. But I, 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 you know, one thing I think is like just yeah, like you like you mentioned, just just give without expecting anything back. You know, and I don't know. I I, I don't I don't really care about gaining anything. Uh, yeah, I love things. I love money. I love you know doing stuff. But yeah, but I don't. I just I just do things just to do the right thing. You know, and, and I don't really, you know, none of the like glamorous thing, like excites me, like to 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 gain or whatever. You know, like it's just like once once you have been through that, I, I've I've gained a lot in the past. You know, back in the day, and I'm seeing a lot, and it it it's it's exciting at the moment, but then it's like then what? You know, and then you want more, and you want more, you want more. So. Um, I don't know. I'm just not not greedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, 
Yeah, it, it sounds like you're incredibly grateful for the opportunity that's that's presented itself, and you've taken advantage of it, and you've let life happen for you instead of to you, which right. is, you know, again, you can easily be negative at the world and cynical and like, why me, why me, why me? Instead, you took something that w- that is perceptively a negative and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to give back. I'm going to provide, build a business that's going to provide opportunities for a lot of people who otherwise would not have opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, as I sit here in my, in my house, I'm like, I need to do more. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope the listeners think think about are, are thinking that way as well. It's like I need to do more. I need to I need to speak up. I need to advocate. I need to help enact change. So there are more opportunities for folks who otherwise would not have it. And again, I really appreciate your time, Toss, this oh, morning. You, it's it's been a, a tremendous conversation. Hopefully, I can get back to to yeah. body on the Lower East Side. To as I as I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, people who are in the city. People who are flying into New York City make a stop uh, on the Lower East Side to, to take Koss or his trainer's classes at Combody. I'll un- also include a link uh, to the studio. And yeah, th- thank you again. Awesome. No, I appreciate you, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform or subscribe to the show Substack so you never miss an episode.